millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning, JP, in for Patricia today with you until one with Cork Today. Your views are welcome. Bernie taking those on the phone right now, 0818103103. Or you can text or WhatsApp on 0862103103. And ahead on this morning's programme, we're going to hear how AIB have been invited to appear in front of the Oireachtas Committee for Finance to explain their debt write-down policies after a high-profile case this week. And many asking how they calculate their formulas to write off debt and we'll be speaking with Deputy McBarry shortly on the programme regarding this because he is on the Oireachtas Committee for Finance. Also, if you are a frequent road user in East Cork, well then you'll know what is meant by the phrase that motorists are playing chicken between Middleton and Carrick Tool due to the high volume of traffic on that road. It was due to be upgraded, not yet upgraded, but given population growth in that area, uh, there is concerns now for safety on that road uh, and also outside of population growth the industry growth a lot of people working in and around Little Island and the Carrick Tool area so resident of Carrick Tool and also local councillor Anthony Barry will join us on this and we have heard about medicine shortages over the last number of months at this stage. It's happening right across the country and it's going to get worse by all accounts and it's going to continue uh, to increase not only here but across the world with a shortage for various medicines. The worrying thing is with this is many patients that are unable to access medicines, some of the medicines they cannot access are vital to their health. So we're going to speak to a pharmacist this morning and if you are experiencing this regarding a medicine that you always get or a medicine that you have no choice but to get for your own health, uh, let us know and we'll raise that this morning on the programme and Daffodil Day is next month this of course is the main fundraising drive for the Irish Cancer Society and they are looking for volunteers to take part so we'll speak with them on the show later and gardening advice as it is Wednesday, Peter Dowdall is along after 12.30 and if you have a question for Peter get that into us across the show uh, by either text or WhatsApp 
WhatsApp 0862103103 or you can phone us on 0818103103. Peter would be along after 12.30. So that and more to come. Plus, you could win your way to Lanzarote. Details on that soon. Uh, but as I mentioned, bosses at AIB are to be called in to the Finance Committee to face questions on debt write-downs. We'll be speaking with Deputy McBarry shortly, who's on the Finance Committee within the Oireachtas. Of course, this all follows from the former hurling star DJ Carey, who had a loan running into million of euros written down by the bank. Now, yesterday... An email to the staff of AIB from its chief executive said that all the facts of the case were not yet in the public domain. And following this, reports now suggest that the bank itself has recovered and sold a number of properties. It was raised in the Doyle yesterday, and we will deal with that shortly on the programme. But that is uh, making headlines everywhere this morning. But something that we have heard about, I would say, over nearly the last 10 years right across uh, Cork City and County is ambulance response times and mainly we get a lot of calls from outlying areas of North Cork and then across East Cork and West Cork from people who have various stories of when they ring for an ambulance but it can take over an hour or two hours we've had four hours before for an ambulance to reach a destination and these would have been calls we've been getting, as I say, not only in the last number of weeks or months, but for the past 10 years or more. And uh, new information out from Freedom of Information. Uh, this is how it does and can take over four hours for an ambulance to arrive at a life-threatening emergency call. This happened 94 times last year. And the HSC, they say they aim to respond to life-threatening heart and respiratory calls within 18 minutes and 59 seconds in 80% of the cases. Uh, but when you look at other uh, situations out of this uh, freedom of information, uh, the longest wait was seven hours and 10 minutes to a call out in County Waterford. But that also was followed by over six hours for calls here in Cork and also in County Westmeath. So it does show that there is a problem across the country when it comes to our ambulance service. And we're hoping if we don't touch on, on that today on the show, we'll speak with someone tomorrow about this. But your stories are welcome. If you have an example of how you had to ring an ambulance for your loved one or a friend and it did not arrive straight away. And a lot of the paramedics we speak to and we have over the years always tell us that one major problem is the fact that when they do arrive to the city hospitals, they have to wait until the patient is admitted. So you could have a, uh, an ambulance sitting outside an E&E department of either the Mercy or CUH. And until the person is admitted, then they have to wait. Uh, and then when they are, they can drive off to the next call. But that is one, just one of the reasons for delays. Uh, the other reasons are not enough amb- ambulances based across Cork, uh, the size of the county. And more recently, we have heard of how in and around Beira, the ambulance serving that region can sometimes end up in Kinmare or in Tralee or in different areas. So there is a, a problem wholesale across uh, Cork and indeed across the country. But if you have any examples yourself, uh, feel free to email us corktoday at c103.ie. And we spoke earlier this week with Jerry Loftus from the Rural Ireland Organisation, mainly about uh, their fears for the selling of land to a British investment fund. But within that conversation, he did bring up 
up the shortages of food that we could all face and that is something that is now happening and that is something that has been reported on this morning because a shortage of fruit and veg on supermarket shelves has been described as a wake-up call for everyone uh, following the impact of climate change and Ireland's food security. So uh, some of the main retailers the likes of Supervalue and Tesco Ireland and Lidl have all confirmed shortages of fruit and veg and those that they import from Spain, uh, from Italy and Morocco and items such as tomatoes and peppers and broccoli and lettuce, uh, cucumbers they have all been affected by unseasonal weather conditions and the unusual conditions have led to lower agricultural production levels in these countries and of course then that makes it uh, harder for Ireland to import the source and uh, well that's a lot of that is reported this morning in the UK out of the UK Times paper uh, they are, are again looking at the weather and the severe weather across North Africa and Southern Europe has damaged crops but uh, something else that they touch on is energy costs and how in the Netherlands and some other countries across Europe where they grow for example tomatoes and other fruit and, uh, and veg within inside in a, a warehouse type environment uh, they're grown in a, in a big kind of container with heating and the heating these greenhouses, uh, what they're not known in the Netherlands as heated greenhouses, they have different names across the continent, it seems. But with these huge warehouses that look like a greenhouse and they're all heated, that costs money. So what's happening is the cost of heating these warehouses is increasing. Energy costs are rising across the world, as we know. So less and less of these are in operation. And if they are in operation, they're being cut down. So that's also having an impact on the fruit and veg that we import into this country. So it's all kind of coming together in a bad way. And there's a video circling online and I got one this morning from a UK supermarket of empty shelves when it came to the fruit and veg section. Uh, but then in the UK, there's a, an uh, add-on because the fact that they have left the European Union. So they're considered a third world, not third world, but a third country outside of the EU. Uh, so that's hampering them getting their fruit and veg in faster because they must go through customs and uh, paperwork has to be signed and whatnot. So it's having, having an extra effect there in the UK. Uh, but for us, it just goes back to Ireland's food security. We should be growing more of our own food and not less. And as we rely on countries outside side of Ireland, uh, that is what is happening. Uh, the weather conditions, first of all, but also energy costs and affecting the likes of the Netherlands where they grow it indoors. It's having a negative effect. Uh, your views, welcome on that. I mean, Jerry Loftus did mention that at this in the interview on, on Monday's show. He said, we are going to see massive problems when it comes to food because we're not growing our own food. Anyhow, your views, welcome. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And Ireland, it seems, is glaring when it comes to road safety. We're an outlier in the EU because, unfortunately, our road death trends are going in the wrong direction. Now, this is new data that is coming from the European Commission. And when it looks at deaths on roads across the continent, they fell last year across Europe by 10%. Uh, but here in Ireland, we were different. Ireland, we rose uh, when it came to road deaths, an increase of 11% in the same period. So we're the opposite to what's happening across the continent. And as of yesterday, 31 people have died in Irish roads this year, up to five from the same period in 2022. And that's up nine uh, from the year before that. And last year was the deadliest in six years on Irish roads, while last month, was the worst uh, with a January stat uh, showing that we were higher than most years and that's that coming from the Gardaí 
And it's quite a worry, uh, the fact that more people are dying on our roads when you compare it then to other countries. But while we have discussed this at length with the Road Safety Authority and with other agencies, and they all say it's up to and due to driver behaviour and we need to be better on our roads and it's to do with speeding and people need to slow down and not be in a rush as many people are. You would have to wonder when you compare our roads to the roads in the European, in, in the rest of Europe, so the likes of Spain and France and even the UK, I know they're technically out of the EU, but still uh, they will be within the continent of Europe and other countries like Germany. I mean, the roads there are a far better and a more upgraded system than we have here in Ireland. Many of those countries have motorways, you know, connecting cities, uh, connecting towns, connecting villages even. Uh, while here we have a lack of motorways, as we discussed only uh, in the last number of days, even yesterday towards the end of the show, we were hearing what exits will come off the proposed M20 motorway, which has not been even uh, built. Uh, we won't see a digger in the ground for that for a number of years. It must still go to a planning stage. So it just shows how far behind we are compared to Europe. And as I mentioned, the Cork to Limerick motorway, that road is considered one of the most dangerous roads across the country. So as speeding possibly is a factor in many of the accidents, you would wonder then when people do take a chance on our roads, is it because the road network isn't up to scratch? People are unfortunately getting killed. Our roads are not equipped to deal with the traffic we now have on them. And you could give an example of any road across Ireland. And then we have, I think, the largest amount of minor roads across uh, the country when it comes to Europe. So uh, would that be a reason? Would you reckon our, our road network, uh, given the way it is, given the way that people are driving on a road, swerving to avoid a pothole, that could lead to an accident and unfortunately could lead to the death of somebody. So uh, is that a contributing factor? Many would say it is. I would reckon it is. Uh, the Road Safety Authority feel it's to do more with speeding and our driver behaviour, because we've discussed that before with them. Uh, but your views are welcome when you look at this and all these stats coming in from Europe, looking at Ireland and how we are going the wrong way with road safety and road deaths compared to the rest of the EU. But then when you look at their roads, uh, that they're a lot in a better condition, first of all, but they have better road services. They have more waterways uh, compared to us here. Does that have an effect then overall on road safety? Your views are welcome. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, 0818 103 103, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And a lot more to get through as well. Uh, a lot of calls in, a lot of emails in. And one email I've got in, first of all, to do with Ash Wednesday. And we were asking, do people still give up meat for Ash Wednesday? And many people on text and WhatsApp, when I uh, mentioned this to Ken earlier on the breakfast show, uh, do. They give up uh, meat for Ash Wednesday and they consider then giving up other items across Lint. Uh, just for the tradition it is, I won't eat meat today, but I will have fish and I had eggs earlier on. I know some people stay totally away from fish and eggs as well, uh, but I will do that. But Mike on text says, yes, I always have fish on Ash Wednesday, but I will abstain from dairy products for Lint. It's a great way to feel better for the spring and summer ahead, says Mike on text or WhatsApp 0862103103. So you like Mike? Uh, do you stay away from the meat today and will you have some fish later or what's your plan or what do you do for Ash Wednesday do you even market anymore some people even forget about it uh, these days so your views are welcome on that I also have an email in from Fidelma and she's telling me about 
Chalk Sunday because she was uh, she heard us yesterday talking about Pancake Tuesday or Shrove Tuesday and I'll bring you that email later if you did hear of Chalk Sunday uh, let us know as well on uh, 0862103103 by text or indeed WhatsApp or call Bernie on 0818103103 C103 Summer Getaway we continue to give away some amazing holidays here on C103 Summer Getaway. It was Salou last week, and this week we are in the midst of sending you and a friend to Lanzarote, enjoying seven nights in the Vic San Antonio from the 4th of June. You need to listen out for our sunshine song here on C103, and this is today's sunshine song from Chris Ria. When you hear that text or WhatsApp for your chance to win C103 Summer Getaway where you can win your way to Lanzarote all this week I will play On the Beach by Chris Ria between now and one when I do make sure you text on WhatsApp On the way next we're going to hear why AIB have been invited to appear in front of the Oireachtas Committee for Finance to explain their debt write down policy This is Cork Today on C103 Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. At a meeting of the Oireachtas Finance Committee yesterday, there was a call for AIB to be brought in and questioned on the issue of loan write-offs. Cork North Central Solidarity Deputy Mick Barry is on that committee and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Mick. Good morning to you, JP. Now, this follows the high-profile case in relation to hurler DJ Carey. And while his debt write-off was outlined this week and again makes news this morning, many people were angry over this outcome. Yes, that's right. Uh, it would appear from the newspaper reports that DJ Carey had a loan of approximately £9.5 million, uh, with AIB. Uh, initial reports suggested that 99% uh, of that had been written off, uh, although new information that's come to light this morning um, indicates that it was somewhat less than that. But even with the new information, uh, it's clear that about 80% uh, of the loan was written off. And I think that, you know, um, there's a lot of people out there uh, who were not able to just at the time of the um, crash in particular uh, and whose experience of the banks was one of being hounded and hounded and hounded for money's owed um, up to and including um, detrimental effects on people's uh, mental health. So I think the question is out there uh, as to whether the bank operates uh, one policy for you know, famous people and millionaires, uh, and a different uh, policy for ordinary uh, people. And the Oireachtas Finance Committee did decide yesterday to write to write to AIB and to ask them to come in uh, and explain their policies on uh, write downs. And I think that hearing is something that a lot of people will be looking forward to listening into. Yes, and it was raised as well in the Dáil Chamber yesterday afternoon and questions asked to Antisha Glyvracker about this situation and AIB itself, they told staff yesterday that all facts of the case were not yet in the public domain but also they did send by email to staff just about how they operate in regards to debt write-downs without getting into details of what's in the papers regarding DJ Carey. 
Yeah, they did. Uh, but it's one thing to uh, write to your staff. Uh, it's one-way traffic. I think the real exchange will be when AIB come before the members of the Oireachtas Finance Committee. They have a chance to explain their policy uh, and to outline their process on this, but also that myself uh, and other members of the Oireachtas have an opportunity to question them uh, on it. I think that will be a more um, give a more real sense of, of what the position is here. And you mentioned there about so many others who found themselves in similar situations when it came to their mortgage and trying to pay off their mortgage and were finding things tough. And the banks weren't so forgiving at that time to so many people. And we heard that from callers, uh, in particular from parents who tried to help their children uh, when they got into trouble uh, with their own mortgage. But then, as we speak about write-offs in so many cases, we have heard of people and we spoke to insolvency practitioners who then go in and negotiate more or less with the lending institution for a better deal. So is it the case that people need to become more aware of these insolvency practitioners who do negotiate and deal with the banks on your behalf? Or do you still think that the banks need to look openly at every case? I think the banks need to look uh, openly at every case. And I think that the type of tactics that we've seen from the banks in the past uh, where people would be absolutely hounded uh, when they were in really difficult situations financially through no fault of their own, through an economic crash that was caused by the banks and the developers in Fianna Fáil. Um, uh, and when people were in really difficult situations with their mental health, uh, because of what was going on all around them and the pressure from the banks. Now, there has been changes introduced. Uh, I, you know, recognise that since the way in which uh, that was done uh, at the start of the great uh, crash. But still, I, fi- I think that people feel when they're dealing with the banks in a situation like this, most ordinary people feel that, uh, you know, um, a game of hardball uh, is being played against them. And it certainly seems uh, to contrast uh, with the treatment. I mean, I don't want to single out uh, one individual. It's it's a more broad issue. For example, um, the Irish Times reports that in the last weeks, uh, a couple uh, of property developers uh, had a 12 million write-down uh, against uh, them. Now, what we need to find out here is um, what is at the root of this. Is it uh, the sense that the the bank takes an easier line or a softer line in relation to people who are uh, wealthy uh, and who are uh, famous? Or is it just a case of the old saying that if you have a €5,000 debt uh, to the bank, you have a problem? And if you have a €5 million euro debt to the bank, well, the bank has a problem. Um, uh, you know, uh, yet another example of the inbuilt bias that is there in a capitalist society towards people who have more money uh, and more uh, uh, wealth. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll ask the questions when AIB come in and hopefully that will shed some light on the situation. And while this case is public because of who it is, and as you say, if a person is in the public eye, they will be picked up on for what they do either in their private life or with money or in their public domain. But 
uh, you also touched on developers and we are aware and we only discussed this uh, late last week in the show of developers who walked away Mick, from situations where they had half built housing estates they went bust they went away they came back again and operating under a different name and many of those would have got debt write-offs from the banks as well so that also is frustrating people that that has happened that, that these people are back under new companies but still the same person and building housing estates so when you bring the banks in you know can that be asked of them why are these people allowed back in uh, to a working environment again when they still really owe that money and how do the banks then formulate a debt write-off how do they calculate how much a person uh, can write off well, I think you've raised a good point there when you talk about developers um, crashing, getting big write-offs, and then starting up again um, with a different name on the door. Uh, and I think that is a question that could be asked and should be asked uh, when AIB uh, come in. Um, in fact, I'll undertake to ask that question uh, myself. Um I think that a lot of the focus here is on the policies of the banks, and rightly so. Um, but I also think we we have to look at this politically. Um, these kind of major write-offs during the crash, um, these kind of major write-offs to the developers, uh, happened when the people steering the ship in this country were the big right-wing conservative parties, uh, namely Fianna Fáil and uh, Fine Gael. This is uh, the law as it has been constructed uh, and the society as it has been constructed under the rule of these uh, uh, parties. Uh, and I, I think that in my commentary on these issues over the next while, I will be focusing mainly on the issue of the banks, but not forgetting, um, uh, you know, Politics does come into this and the, the, the framework uh, by which these things are looked at being set by Fianna Fáil uh, and Fine Gael, who, for example, at the moment are on a campaign to privatise the banks, to put them back uh, fully or more fully into private ownership and to put the for-profit motive uh, more fully to the forefront uh, in terms of the banks. Uh, and, and that can be uh, part of the equation here as well, I think. Well, we received an email yesterday from a lady who described this story as gut-wrenching and I think you used those words yourself earlier in the week as many banks did chase people over the years for smaller amounts of money and many people lost their homes as a result. I will be interested to hear how indeed uh, Mick AIB do get on with you and all in the Oireachtas Finance Committee when they appear in front of you. For the moment, I will leave it there this morning and thanks for joining us. Keep in touch. Thanks, JP. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. Towards the close of the show yesterday, we heard the news regarding the exits to be put in place for the new M20 motorway. Now, today, Cork County Council is being asked if they will review the deferred upgrading of the N25, the Middleton to Carrick Tool Road, a growing area of Cork. And Councillor Anthony Barry, who is a resident of Carrick Tool, joins me. Good morning to you, Anthony. Good morning, John Paul. Why, first of all, is there a continued delay with this road? 
Well, obviously, this is our second time in, in 10 years that this uh, proposed upgrade, and it's not a new road by any standards, it's an upgrade to make this road an awful lot safer than what it has been. Uh, no developments have taken place on this road since that road was first built in 1968, and obviously the, the usage of that road has, road has skyrocketed over the intervening period. So, yeah, this is the second time that we faced uh, the delay. This has purely been a, a political decision, um, I believe, by the Minister for Transport in uh, in putting off this this project and this upgrade. And as you mentioned, substantial growth in that area outside of the industry in Carrick Tool and Little Island. You also have a lot of people now purchasing homes in that area as the city more or less moves out. Those that can't afford the high prices are, are moving to areas like Middleton, like Carrick Tool. But then you have the situation of more traffic. And we have seen, even though it is a good road, it seems to be at peak times that is in a situation where it cannot deal with the traffic. And you have motors jumping into the uh, outer lane, back into the other lane, everybody kind of running a rat race, more or less. Yeah, look, I suppose just to give you a bit of historical context to that, as I said, it was built in 1968. I actually remember going to primary school, showing my age, you know, um, at the time. The bus used to collect us on the road. It used to drop us off um, at three o'clock when we returned back. We we would cross that road on a company, on a company um, no problem. Now there's 38,000 vehicles a day traveling and using that road. So it has absolutely ballooned. And like you add to that the fact that the increased usage, I mean, anyone that's going into Middleton uh, any evening will see the, the road traffic backed up right to the water across. Um, also, when you come out of Middleton, there is no slip road coming out of Middleton. You just play chicken with the traffic and you drive straight onto the road. So that's untenable. And it's only a matter of time before there's been a number of very, very serious incidents are going to happen there. You also have probably the best industrial site in the country, in the former Amgen site at Ballyadam, which is has got all the services. It's ready to go. But unfortunately, you cannot access it. And the only way you can access that is by bringing all that traffic in, if it were ever to be opened at the moment, into Carry Tool Main Street. And that's not going to be... Um, acceptable to the people living in Carrick Tool. So, and you actually fill in, you said it just there, if you build another 4,000 houses with the best will in the world, we have a train station and it's wonderful and a train line. However, there is no way that everyone is going to build and live in those houses is not going to have a motorized vehicle. So it, it just will put into jeopardy the development of the industrial site and I believe the plans for the residential development in both Water Rock and Carrick Tool. Interesting, we noted there how road accidents and road deaths in Ireland are on the increase compared to our counterparts in the rest of Europe. When you describe there leaving Middleton, I mean, I know that junction, it's quite dangerous. You are more or less coming out in front of on-moving traffic going at, is it 80 or 100k there? And there has been a lot of accidents. You can see why our death rates, unfortunately, are on the increase if we're not upgrading our roads. Look, I understand fully why there would be certain sectors in government and, you know, we need to move towards a climate neutral and a carbon neutral environment. Of course we do. We all know that. But that does not take away from the fact that this is one of the fastest growing areas in the country, both from a residential side of things and industrially. And if we're going to bring that those increases, we need to make the basic safety upgrades available to people. And as I've said to you, in 50 years with the closure of a couple of medians for quarries, servicing and quarries, that's the only thing that has happened. And, you know, the rate of increase and the rate of growth has been phenomenal in East Cork. And I think this is just uh, another slap in the face to the second city in the second region of the country again. And, you know, this would not happen if there's 38,000 vehicle movements in metropolitan Dublin. 
the road would definitely be in a way better condition than at the end 25 between Carrickpool and Middle Tennis. Yeah, and he would have to look at all the various reports out over the last few weeks, even the North Ring Road, which uh, got a low amount of money to ensure that would go ahead. As a Fine Gael councillor, do you think that Cork, uh, you more or less said it, has been forgotten about when you look at our road infrastructure? And even when I mentioned the North Ring, the North Ring going towards Little Island, going towards East Cork, uh, again, given the traffic levels at peak time, uh, both those roads cannot deal with that. And you're just in the upper bottlenecks and car accidents. Look, I suppose you can look at this and you can say, okay, we've got the road doing a skiddy road, um, the upgrade there, we've got the Dunkettle interchange being upgraded. Mm. But this is work that should have been done way, way back. And we're only playing catch up. And if there is any serious movement, and I know from the meeting on Monday, we've requested that the senior ministers, uh, the Cork senior ministers, sit down and meet with us and try and get this decision reversed. You're dead right, the Cork North Ring Road, I would have been a huge uh, proposer of that when um, prior prior to uh, the boundary extension, when a lot of that area was still in the county. Um, I believe that there's huge potential in the northern side of Cork City, and that would only be unlocked with that road. And, you know, yesterday we saw the proposals for the Limerick-Cork upgrade, but that's not much good if you're going to come into Cork City and you're faced with a gridlock of traffic and you don't have that relief road. And I understand fully that there is a push, and I I said it before and I'll say it again, a push to avoid um, in, in building new roads. But if you are serious about actually developing a region and we need, well, we are supposedly serious about developing Cork as a counterbalance to Dublin, then you need to put the basic infrastructure in place. Yeah, and especially in an area like Carrick Tool and Little Islands where you have a lot of big companies and corporate companies based there, you know, they might get frustrated if they continue to see their workers being delayed, arriving into work late due to what is happening on the roads. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens for the moment, Anthony. Thanks for joining us this morning. Not at all, John Paul. Thank you. That is Councillor Anthony Barry there, and also resident of Carrick Tool and the frustration that many motorists, I'm sure, if you're driving a time uh, into either Middleton or all that various area heading towards the, the rest of East Cork and indeed around it, Lightning Carrick Tool, it does frustrate people. Uh, and the fact that roadworks are ongoing in Dunkettle, and that's a headache for many people at the moment. But the fact that you know then as you go further east, you're going to be caught up due to the fact the road cannot take the traffic. Your views are welcome. Uh, text or WhatsApp 086. Or you can call us on 0818103103. Until one, JP with you in for Patricia and Bernie is taking your comments on the phone right now. If there's something you want to raise or discuss, where we are discussing 0818103103, you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Ahead, medicine shortages are impacting many patients across the country and some unable to access medicines that are vital for their health. I see a lot of texts coming in from people who have young children who suffer from asthma. Inhalers are becoming a problem to get now at the moment if an inhaler needs replacing. Uh, So we'll discuss that more shortly on the programme. If you are in a situation where you just cannot get the medicine you require or the one you usually would get from your pharmacist, let us know. But inhalers is the big thing we're hearing about at the moment anyhow. Uh, You can text our WhatsApp 0862103103 on what we were discussing earlier on in the show and this was our conversation with Deputy Mick 
Barry and he is part of the Oroctus Finance Committee and AIB has been invited to appear in front of this committee to explain their debt write-down policies and this is due to uh, the high-profile case this week uh, with regards to DJ Carey. Well, on that, Jim is in Shannon in County Clare and Jim is saying it's our politicians who make the rules, not the banks and we had a very poor governance pre-2010. We now have too much regulation and if you ask any credit union board member, as a result, the smaller credit unions won't exist much longer, uh, fields Jim in Shannon. And I suppose you see that, not too sure on, on credit unions. I think the, the bigger ones are, are, are doing well, but you will see a lot of smaller ones, as you say that, Jim, that are merging with other nearby credit unions. That can be for various reasons, but a lot have merged over the last while. Thank you for your text, Jim, in Shannon. While John is in White's Cross and on the case with AIB, John feels that AIB is not worried about Deputy McBarry or indeed worried about anybody else because he says they did a deal they sold off his properties for what they could get and there was nothing more to be got from DJ Carey so case closed, it's done uh, and John and White's Cross feels that while this will go and AIB will be brought before the Rockdust Committee uh, we have seen the banks the way they have operated before and they really won't care they'll answer some of the questions they'll dodge others and maybe a few weeks time this is forgotten about and things will go back and this could be happening behind the scenes again uh, says John and White's Cross the banks just aren't worried and then Mossy is making a good point because he says back not so long ago he says one wage would buy a house and raise a family presently it takes two wages to buy a house and raise a family you have uh, both parents going out to work in the morning rushing and racing and stress going to work and then as a result of that the child or children has to go into childcare or either if they're lucky enough to be living near their home place you know the grandmother may look after the child or a neighbour or a friend and then they're rushing back again to collect the child uh, and bring them all back home and there's a certain amount of pressure back and forth from a Monday to a Friday perspective for a lot of parents uh, because it does now take two wages to buy a house and raise a family as Mossy points out but he says uh, for some maybe borrowing off the bank of mum and dad might be uh, an advantage or it could be a possibility just for some but the bigger question we all have to ask as Mossy is why has everything got so expensive? Yes, inflation has gone through the roof but if you look at everything over the last 10 to 20 years, prices just keep increasing, increasing and increasing. We never see prices decreasing. And why does this uh, this continue to happen? Uh, we simply, as a world, cannot continue with high rising prices, asks Mossy. And yeah, inflation will be to blame. Uh, the way th- products have changed over the years, the way things are made, maybe I, I, it's a good uh, point and why a number of years ago something would cost five, ten euros less and everything does go up uh, and inflation will be the reason if you ask any person from an economics point of view. Uh, Mossy, thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. We did speak with a local councillor in the Carrigtool area, Anthony Barry, and this was with regards to the upgrading of the road from Carrigtool to Middleton. A lot of people are unhappy uh, when they're on the way home or going to work uh, of the, what they say, uh, is continuous delays in that area due to the network of road and how that area has got busier. Well, Marion is in Carrigtool and Marion says, it's becoming a nightmare for me to get home. I work in Wilton and first of all, when I leave work, I have to deal with the Dunkettle area. Once I get beyond Dunkettle and around onto the motorway or the dual carriageway, I am 
then greeted with tailbacks. And then as I head into Carrick Tool, I'm greeted with further tailbacks. It's becoming very unfair to residents in Carrick Tool who do welcome the expanded expansion of the village and indeed the wider area and welcome the jobs. But to this, when we built new IDA sites and when we welcomed new companies and new homes, we were promised an upgrade of our roads. That has not happened. It has to happen, says Marion in Carrick Tool, frustrated with her journey home every single day while Ben agrees with what was said earlier regarding big companies. Ben says we need these big companies who are operating in the Little Island and indeed the Carrick Tool area. But at the time, a lot of these companies were told that the area around them was going to improve. But with continuous delays to road projects, which many are located within these areas which use the road to get in and out of their factories, uh, the infrastructure is failing. And Ben's fear is, will we see these big companies move away or move elsewhere? Look at the tech sector and how that's been hit and how they're reorganising their services. Will we see similar if anything happens to the pharma industry a lot, which is based in Tool, and if they have to make decisions to cut costs, could they look at areas in Ireland like East Cork if the infrastructure isn't up to scratch or isn't there what they were promised they were never given as has been on text to 0862 103 103 and then when it comes to energy which we discussed on the show yesterday and energy credits and now we know the 200 euro credits uh, that many were hopeful of uh, that we would receive in the summer. That ain't happening. It's going to be pushed back to the autumn. And that was all announced yesterday with the cost of living measures, which we discussed on the show. Uh, but a text in here from Catherine who says, I won't be getting my electricity bill until April. And as there is another €200 Euro credit coming to me, uh, will I get the final one? Well, you will, Catherine. The news on that is basically the €200 Euro credit, the third instalment of those winter energy credits. That is going to be be made available from the 1st of March uh, but some households won't receive or won't view this credit on your bill until April or May and that is all due to your bill cycle depending when you receive your physical bill. Uh, now you can view the credit on your online account in many cases of the electricity companies if you operate online you will see the credit sitting there and then that, that credit from March 1st will be applied to your next bill. So Catherine, don't worry if your bill comes in April or indeed May and that's for everybody, uh, you will receive that €200 Euro credit. It's employed for, from um, March onwards and it will hit your bill uh, whenever you get it in April or May. So no worry there, you will get that. And then Maria, and this is something uh, she's been listening to over the last number of days ahead of the cost of living announcements that were made. We had a lot of the various uh, advocacy groups out and she is asking the question, but she says it may not be popular to say this. But Maria says, does anybody think that the entire media commentary, it seems to be dominated by these charity groups, the likes of Vincent de Paul, uh, Social Justice Ireland, Lone Parents, all being egged on by left wing parties. Uh, says Maria, demanding more and more welfare handouts. What about those of us who paid higher tax rates, paid for our kids through college? No grants, no medical cards and paid for everything. Now highly qualified, after years of graft and study, they're earning good money, but they cannot get a place to live. Who is speaking up for us? I think some people expect the government to pay for everything and hand them a social house for nothing. The sense of entitlement never ceases to amaze. Balance, please, says Maria on WhatsApp to 0862103103. Would you agree with Maria there on what she is saying? You have a point, 
Murray, in fairness, uh, there's a lot of people, uh, I think a lot of us find ourselves in a situation whereby we were unable to get grants for college, had to pay our way, had to work through college. I was one of those who worked part-time uh, to fund myself through college, uh, never entitled to a medical card, have to pay for all the bills that, that you get from the various hospitals you attend or GPs or whatever and as you say yeah paying for everything and some will say but you have a job and you you know you, you get paid uh, but a lot of the jobs well as you say many people are earning and they are they're earning good money uh, but the money they are earning isn't enough so they can purchase a house due to the inflation we have seen with house pricing over the years and even if they had the money to purchase the house uh, there simply isn't enough homes anyway in the area for them to purchase uh, while you can see then the frustration by so many when they see somebody maybe accepting and being offered a social house while they continue to work every day and still cannot get in the property ladder would you agree with Maria on that? Uh, you can let us know on 0862103103 text or WhatsApp or indeed call Bernie on on the phone 0818103103 I mentioned Lint earlier and uh, if people will be giving up meat for today Ash Wednesday a lot of people are and Anthony is one of them who will stay away from me today looking forward to some fish later he says well enjoy your fish Anthony uh, but while we were discussing that and we mentioned yesterday about Shrub Tuesday and Pancake Tuesday I got an email in from Fidelma who heard us talking about that yesterday and she's asking did anybody hear of Chalk Sunday let me know if you have heard of Chalk Sunday. I wasn't aware of this until I was reading Fidelma's email yesterday evening and she says uh, the first Sunday of Lent was known and referred to as Chalk Sunday. Now, it was bigger in some parts of Ireland than others uh, mainly here in Munster and parts of Cork and Kerry it would have been known and areas of Leinster as well uh, but if what it refers to is anyone who was unlucky enough not to have made a match or to have got married during Shrove Tide and Shrove Tide seemingly was the period from the 6th of January up until Ash Wednesday. What would happen is on their way to or from church, so if they were going to master service, and youngsters would basically have chalk and mark them with chalks that they would go off and, for example, mark the bachelor with lines and squiggles on their clothing. And while most of it would be met with good humour, at least from the younger people, uh, because a lot of them would, would hope to be marrying the following year, those who were single from an older generation sometimes met those who were trying to chalk with verbal abuse and indeed chase them off. Sometimes they would use paint in the odd time. Uh, but yes, chalk Sunday was a thing and very popular in these parts or some parts of Cork and Kerry. Uh, let me know, uh, do you remember Chalk Sunday? Or were you uh, one of those who referred to it or heard your, your your older peers telling you regarding what Chalk Sunday was about? And was it popular here in Cork? I'm conscious some uh, traditions we always talk about on the show, uh, they could be big maybe in North Cork, but not in West Cork, or they could be huge in West Cork, but not in East Cork, because it's a big county. So let me know, Chalk Sunday. Uh, are you familiar with this? You can let us know on text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or call Bernie on 0818103103 we'll get back to your calls and comments on that and a lot more uh, to get to we'll do that between now and one on uh, Wednesday's Cork Today of course later after 12.30 Peter Doddle is along answering your gardening questions C103's Summer Getaway and we also got to qualify someone to head to Lanzarote where you could be enjoying seven nights in the Vic San Antonio from the 4th of June. I am going to play c 103 Sunshine Songs sometime between now and one when you hear this 
Chris Ria on the beach text or WhatsApp and you could qualify and head to Lanzarote C103 Jobs An accountant and bookkeeper is required for the Charnival area to work on year-end accounts tax returns VAT P-A-Y-E and RTC you can email your CV to info at murraycloney.net Full and part-time childcare practitioners are wanted for the Connor area email your CV to connachildcare at gmail.com and ward personnel have vacancies for all types of carpenters machine drivers and lorry drivers you can ring them for more info on 021-233-9120 or email jobs at wardpersonnel.com you'll find these details and more online now just go to c103.ie forward slash job this is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. Medicine shortages in Ireland continue to persist with over 200 different medicines used by Irish patients currently out of stock. Niall O'Sullivan is from O'Sullivan's Late Night Pharmacies and joins me. Good morning to you, Niall. Good morning, JP. How are you? I'm fine, and thanks for joining us. I suppose this new trend affecting supplies, it continues to develop. Um, actually, it's a, it's a trend that's ongoing for a number of years, but it's it's come to kind of crisis point over the last couple of months, especially um, on the run into Christmas when there was increased demand for simple antibiotics like amoxicillin. And what are the most significant medication shortages you were seeing? We were asking parents this morning uh, and everybody what they were seeing, but the majority of parents came back saying inhalers for younger children, those who may be suffering from asthma. uh, They're finding it tough to get those. Is that something you were seeing, one of the products? Um, That doesn't, the the inhalers, depending on the specific brand or specific inhaler, um, it's not coming to mind, but the more specific ones for young children seem to be, say, penicillin-based antibiotics. Um, One of the ones that's more specifically used for throat infections is unavailable since before Christmas. So what we're having to do is contact the GPs or out-of-hours doctors to suggest alternatives. And even then, the alternatives mightn't be available, so it's quite quite limited. Um, the children's antibiotics, like the amoxicillin, is, is back in stock, but again, the strengths vary. So a doctor might have prescribed a child the lower strength, 125 milligram strength, but we're having to dispense the 250 strength and, and tell people to take a, a 2.5 mils or, or reduce the dosage. Um, but on the inhaler side, it's it's it fluctuates at the moment. I think um, looking at at the IPU, the Pharmacy Union, run a, a, a list of medicines that are short. So I, I heard you in the introduction there listing uh, actually a smaller number at the moment. It looks like there's over 460 specific medicines that are in short supply. And for those then who go along every week to get their prescriptions from the pharmacist and they take a, a medicine weekly or, or monthly, we've get a calls from people who say they can't get the usual brand and they're offered a different brand and this all going back to the shortage. Uh, and many of these though from our callers are vital medicines that they have to take. Yeah, well, where the pharmacist can provide an alternative brand, then they're probably the lucky patients because um, while... In, in Ireland, we, we're quite we're brand loyal, and we, we might like a specific product. Um, the pharmacist will only sub- substitute an item that is the exact equivalent. We're only allowed to do that legally as well, but also ethically, we'll only give you the same product. It mightn't be the same brand. But what happens in Ireland? Ireland, we're a small market. Um, you know, we're four and a half million people, probably a million and a half sick people if you break it down. And there's more people in the Greater Manchester area. So when you look 
when we were part of, I guess, the UK supply chain pre-Brexit, over 70 million people, we were able to get products, no problem. But the government has been successful in driving down the price of medicines. And the, the knock-on from that is, is that um, it, when it's no longer economically viable or is profitable for some of these manufacturers, then they'll just reduce supply or they'll limit the supply to the country. Um, and even coming back to the item where you're saying that the patient has been offered an alternative, I think looking at the HPRA website, there's 84 individual medicines out of stock without an equivalent alternative. And those medicines for those patients are the ones that are, they're the, they're the biggest crisis issue. Yeah, and now when you mentioned there of us more or less importing medicines, do we need to look here at producing more drugs and medication in Ireland and maybe reduce our reliance on what we need to bring into this country? The issue there is cost. Um, where worldwide, particularly in Europe, um, governments have been focused on the cost of medicines for a long time. Um, older medicines like the amoxicillins, like paracetamol, worldwide the people have been driving down the prices of those so you're actually they've been outsourcing the active ingredients to places like india now they've been manufactured to the same standards but because the price has been driven down because the profitability is low then higher cost environments like ireland like europe um have are no longer manufacturing these items and then it world it results because there's such limited manufacturers in in worldwide um shortages of these items when the demand is up and i know you mentioned there regarding throat medication you know there's a a big increase it would seem at the moment with people who are sick with various viral infections to do with the throat that puts on extra pressure then on medication specifically to do with, with throat, ears or no, nose conditions. Uh, when will we see an end to, to these shortages now? It, it, will this just continue for the rest of the year or is it really uh, contained to seasonal conditions? Well, It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at bluenile.com you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The quite specifically hitting the headlines at the moment are the seasonal items. So um, because they're affecting a wider number of people and people that are more vocal. The ones I'm more concerned about are the, the, the individuals on unique medication that we don't have an alternative for, where they end up um, 
back in in a hospital or and actually i had i had the situation yesterday i was working in our in our late night pharmacy in mallow where a had run out the specific item that they had is now only available directly from the manufacturer the manufacturer was a delayed just shipping circumstances in getting the medication out so that patient had to return to hospital to 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 um to be treated rather than being treated in the community so that is having a knock-on effect on our health service, which is under pressure as it is. But if they can't get the medication, then as you mentioned, that they're going into A&E. So we're, without what people want or can get, it's it's going to have a knock-on effect really, Niall, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And and even, say, if you take, the, say, the, the, the penicillin-based um, antibiotics, the one that we're talking about there, where it's affecting children and throat infections, what's happening across Europe is that some governments are actually paying up to four times the agreed prices with the manufacturers to secure supply. So there's a bidding war going on out there um, in, in, in the EU and in, across the world where, where um, governments are seeing that there's a shortage or a potential shortage and they're jumping in ahead. And, and unfortunately in Ireland, what's happening is that we're still very much focused on the drive the price down and the result then is the, is the, is the basic economic realities that costs have risen everywhere. So it's no longer possible to, to provide and manufacture and, and distribute and supply um, medication at prices that were, that were available 10, 15 years ago. Um, and these sort of things need to be addressed. And can we express, so for the likes of the consumer, can we expect to see an increase in prices? Because I know in some EU countries, uh, prices across pharmacies has increased some by 5% uh, for even cheaper medicines. And that would be in the likes of Portugal. Will we see that happening here? Um, I think it's probably inevitable. Um, I think what's happening when you look at, say, for example, where, where a manufacturer is, is only, they have an ethical obligation to supply minimum amounts if they're still, if they're still, if it's still available within their network. But if they supply the minimum amounts to Ireland, for example, and we, and we run out and their, their next shipment might be due in six months, then sometimes what's happened is that the same item is available from another jurisdiction as an unlicensed medicine but that can be up to 10 times the price. And what ends up happening is because it's not covered then under the government schemes of the government price, the consumer ends up having to pay that difference in price. Yeah, so we're going to see a lot of that, I, I expect, over the next while. So uh, as that continues and the, the scramble for medicines continues across Europe and indeed the world for the moment. And uh, thanks for joining us and explaining those issues to us. And we'll wait and see what happens over the next number of months. You're very welcome, JP. Thank you. Thank you. Much. Take care. Now, that is Nyla Sullivan there uh, joining us from O'Sullivan Late Night Pharmacies in Malobandon and Limerick. And uh, as we heard, people from various parts of society, various ailments that people have, various illnesses, all struggling to get either their own brands or indeed uh, medication that they need. And I mean, even to hear, uh, now I'll say there that someone, you know, has or will end up in hospital, uh, as example that, that he gave, because, you know, they are waiting for that medication. It just shows that it, the knock-on effect it can have elsewhere in our health system. But let us know if you have been affected by that, if you're waiting or, or have been affected by medication that you usually get and you can't get it, a text or WhatsApp 0862103103. More than likely, it is something that will continue uh, over the next few months, unfortunately, but we'll wait and see what updates will happen regarding medication here uh, for us in particular across Ireland. Uh, Your views are welcome. You can call Bernie on 0818103103. Daffodil Day, why it might be a bit away yet. It's next month, at the end of next month. It is the main fundraising drive for the Irish Cancer Society, but they are looking for volunteers and we'll chat with them next. You're listening to Cork Today 
on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 103 I still have to play C103's Sunshine song. I will do that between now and one. When you hear Chris Ria on the beach, you've got a text or WhatsApp. And this is it. When you hear us, text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. I'll play that between now and one. We could be sending you off to Lanzarote in June. But from June to March, because Daffodil Day is coming around again, it will take place this year on Friday, March 24th. And Sinead Galepsi is the national campaign lead. She's with the Irish Cancer Society and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Sinead. Hi, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, and thanks for joining us. Now, this is one of your biggest fundraising drives, and it contributes to pay for many of the services offered by the Irish Cancer Society. Yeah, it is indeed. It is our um, largest campaign um, of the year, and we're hoping to see communities across Ireland kind of come together again this daffodil day and kind of take to the streets and turn their local towns yellow um, to raise funds and to support cancer patients and their families across the country. And services that I mentioned there, there are services like the drivers who bring people to cancer treatments or indeed the night nurse, which many avail of. They're all helped by this fundraising. Yes, yeah, we receive um, 3% of our funding from the government and um, so we're very heavily reliant on the support and generosity of the Irish public to fund these services. Um, the services are all free of charge to cancer patients and their families, which is just amazing. And last year alone, we provided almost 17,000 free drives for cancer patients to and from their cancer treatment um, across the country, which is just amazing. Um, and thanks to the support of the public as well, we were able to provide more than 6,500 nights of night nursing care to allow patients um, at the end of their journey to spend their final days surrounded by loved ones in their own homes. So it's such an important day. And as you mentioned, the increase there of what you have done and there to drive people to and from the treatment and, and the work by the night nurse. Uh, we have seen deaths from cancer, many due to the pandemic and, and rise in deaths. So uh, I suppose it shows that early detection is vital because a lot of the detections were missed out during the height of the pandemic. Yeah, early detection is really key when it comes to cancer. So we would just encourage everyone to, to just be familiar with their body, um, to, to keep an eye out for any changes. Um, and if they have any concerns or doubts, to go straight to their local GP. And it's a disease, of course, unfortunately, that has uh, touched every family. There's not a family across Ireland that you talk to uh, that hasn't had someone in their own immediate family or indeed wider family affected by this disease. Yeah, yeah, it really has. There's over um, 44,000 people um, will hear the words they have cancer every year. So, like, it's an, uh, a very large amount of people. One in two of us will be um, affected by cancer in our lifetime as well. So it's it's really um, such a, a terrible disease that, that affects nearly every family in the country. So um, we're always so overwhelmed by the support that we get on Daffodil Day um, with everyone kind of coming together to, to rally behind cancer patients and their families um, and to give back. I suppose a positive out of this, there's so many new medication coming on stream, a lot of research going into various cancer treatment. Uh, we now see a lot of people who before, if they were diagnosed, were more or less told this will be a huge struggle for you. Many we saw passing away. Now they're back to full life and they're back to full health again due to the advances being made to deal with the disease. 
Yeah, and that's absolutely fantastic. And and that's down to research as well. And um, we are a large um, funder of research in Ireland as well. So um, every donation made on the day will help go towards providing free services for cancer patients and also funding that really important research that you just mentioned. And then on Daffodil Day itself, I mean, the services we mentioned, a lot are run by volunteers and you need uh, those services to, to remain. So are you looking for volunteers to sell daffodils and get involved on Daffodil Day? We are. So we are asking the general public to get involved really in any way that they can. So they can visit cancer.ie forward slash Daffodil Day and it'll have a whole host of different ways that they can get involved this Daffodil Day. There's lots of different fundraisers that they can hold. They can have coffee mornings in their local community um, or they can take on our 12,000 steps a day challenge as well throughout the month of March. Um, But they can also join us for our Daffodil collections on the streets as well. So um, there's lots of different ways and they can register um, for Daffodil Day on cancer.ie forward slash daffodil day and then there's other ways as well if, if you don't have the time to maybe um, to do a larger fundraiser then you can always just make a donation as well or we also have our online shop which is lots of daffodil day goodies there as well and will your volunteers be back out in the streets selling daffodils again this year they will, they will. We're, we're delighted to have everyone back. We were we were back sort of last year, um, but we're back in full swing this year. So we're absolutely delighted to be back on the streets this March 24th. Well, that's good. And the daffodils have been plentiful in the fields uh, here in Cork anyhow. So you should have no fear in, in getting daffodils to sell. <laughs> that's it. They are. They're, they're out in full spring. Uh, well, we look forward to it. And I'm sure we'll be chatting to someone from the Cancer Society again near the time for the moment. If people do want to volunteer, uh, what is the best way for them to get in touch locally? Yeah, so the best way to volunteer is just go to cancer.ie forward slash Daffodil Day um, and there'll be a registration form there and um, we'll get you in touch with your local organisers then. Okay, well, best of luck to you, Sinead, with that. And as I say, so many services and so many people contact us uh, who have received uh, some of the, the, the night nurse maybe or indeed have gotten a drive from one of your drivers and it does provide a huge sense of support, first of all, but also it helps them on their journey. So uh, many thanks coming in on text and WhatsApp to the Irish Cancer Society and again best of luck with Daffodil Day that's amazing. Thank you so much Take care. for talking to you. Thank Thanks. you. That is Sinead Lepsi there who is the National Campaign Lead with the Irish Cancer Society and you can contact them if you do want to get involved. More info on cancer.ie forward slash Daffodil Day and a number of people in touch on text who have availed of the services either by the Cancer Society, also their um, Cancer Connect of course do a great service as well, driving people to and from city hospitals and Liam's Lifts in the Fermoy Mitchellstown area. Uh, they do great work as well and others across Cork who provide service as Tom is saying to those of us who have beaten cancer but it is a journey and even getting that lift that he received from the Irish Cancer Society uh, even talking to someone who would have known what others are going through uh, while he was on his journey to CUH is a real heart lifting experience and it does bring a lot of joy to so many who may be on their own as well suffering from cancer thank you Tom for your text to 0862 and uh, John was in touch with us and this is something uh, that came into us uh, well John was in touch with us yesterday evening uh, to the programme but it's something that was mainly on news and this is how Irish troops are being sent to train the Ukrainian army as the, the war in Ukraine nearly is marking its first anniversary a speech yesterday uh, by the Russian President Vladimir Putin he has more or less said it's going to continue and there's no real change to what is happening there uh, in Ukraine uh, but because of this the government have approved 
approved the use of 30 soldiers who will help the Ukrainians defeat the Russian bear. And that is what has been spoken about in many of the papers again this morning. And because of what is happening within that, John is making the point if the government are sending our Irish soldiers to Ukraine, uh, how can we then continue as a neutral country? Surely now that has to come into question. John is against uh, the government sending Irish soldiers soldiers to Ukraine uh, because he feels it just does really impact on Ireland's neutrality. Uh, how do you feel on that? Do you agree with John? Do you feel it's wrong for the government to send uh, troops to Ukraine? Or do you think we should, considering what is happening and how other countries are getting involved? But if we are, then is our neutrality in question? or is it not in question uh, let us know John feels it is that we have to stand up for our neutrality your views are welcome you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 or call us on 0818 103 103 Bernie taking your calls and I mentioned earlier just regarding uh, Fidelma's email and she was asking did anybody hear of Chalk Sunday and it was big in areas of Munster, uh, in Cork uh, I'm not too sure if it was all of Cork or certain areas of Cork but if you heard of Chalk Sunday let us know and let us know what area you are from because whenever we talk about these uh, various uh, traditions you'll always have some areas of Cork who never heard of it in some areas where it was huge uh, but on that uh, Cathy was in touch and she said following on from Chalk Sunday and Chalk Sunday was where if you were single on Ash Wednesday or sorry on the first Sunday of Lent after Ash Wednesday you would be met with a line uh, written or squiggled on your clothing as you were going to Mass or service on that Sunday uh, because you were single but also after that Sunday on Monday Cathy says in some areas it was referred to as Salt Monday and what happened was a sprinkling of salt was put over either bachelors or spinsters at the time and this was to preserve them until next year anybody hear of that Salt Monday that must be a, an old tradition as well uh, sprinkling salt over people uh, because they were single so they were God, if you were single back in the day you were really cast aside weren't you so on chalk Sunday you were marked with chalk or you could have got paint thrown over you and then the next day on Monday uh, people were going around sprinkling salt over you now the majority of it seemingly a lot of people say was in good fun but there was some people who were of maybe 50 plus who were uh, single did not take kindly to this happening anyhow let us know did you hear of chalk Sunday or indeed Salt Monday and was it big in your area of Cork text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and Bernie continues to take your calls on 0818103103 Stein song Chris Ria on the beach C103's summer getaway a lot of calls a lot of texts but it's only text and WhatsApp and we got a lot of them and where are we off to let's go to Farron and say hello to Margaret hello Margaret Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you keeping? I'm wonderful, thank you. How are things in a beautiful Farron, famous for its woods? Oh, lovely, lovely weather, thank God. That is good. Now you could be enjoying further nice weather, Margaret. Would you uh, like a trip to Lanzarote? Oh God, I've begun this minute. (laughs) (laughs) No holding you back? No holding back. Have you been before? Not in the no, no. Ah, well, it is a beautiful spot, so hopefully now we can qualify you to head along there. Uh, this is a question I'm going to give you. It is uh, hopefully an easy question for you. Here we go. What do people usually have to eat during the summer? Would it be A, stew, or B, barbecue? Barbecue. Ah, 
Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Of course, it is a barbecue, and you might be enjoying one. Margaret, if we qualify you on Friday to head to Lanzarote, wouldn't that be nice? Oh, that'd be fabulous. A nice barbecue Absolutely. on the beach. Be beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Who would you take with you if you did win the prize? My daughter, I think. Oh, excellent. Both of you would go off so for a girl's holiday. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Margaret, stick by your phone. Nick Richards will be making uh, the draw on Friday and could be ringing you. So best of luck. Oh, thank you very much. Take care, thank Margaret. You. Have a good day. Bye that bye. is uh, Margaret O'Brien there from Farron. She qualifies. She could be heading off to Lanzarote, but you could be too because Nick Richards, who I mentioned, he is going to play that song again from Chris Ria on the beach and Martina O'Donoghue she'll also play that song between 4 and 7 when you hear a text or WhatsApp and like Margaret and Farron you could be heading off and enjoying the sun in Lanzarote with ourselves here at C103 on the way for today until 1 uh, JP in for Patricia and Bernie taking your comments right now on the phone 0818103103 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 also looking for your gardening questions because Peter Dowdle is along after 12.30, theirishgardener.com. He will be answering all your gardening questions just in about under 15 minutes time. But a lot of calls and comments in on various issues before that. And just before news at midday, I was uh, talking regarding John's comment into us. He is now questioning Ireland's neutrality because of Irish troops who are being sent to train in the Ukrainian army. And this is because we're coming up to the first anniversary of the war in Ukraine. And mixed views over this. John mainly is putting Ireland's neutrality into question. On that, uh, first of all, on text, somebody says our boys should not be sent to Ukraine. Let them train all the Ukrainian men. If some are here, send them back or train others that are there. But do not send our Irish over uh, to train them how to fight. While Timmy says, why not send them? If we have the troops here, then send them over. They are only training and not fighting. So I cannot see how this is affecting our neutrality, asks Timmy. While Sheila is in Mallow, she agrees with John's comment earlier. She feels we should not send out our soldiers to Ukraine. It's wrong, says Sheila in Mallow. While Kay says our neutrality is gone anyway. We are part of the EU, so anybody who thinks Ireland is still neutral is sadly mistaken Fields K and somebody else here on WhatsApp saying in terms of Ukrainian help by Irish troops this is clearly a violation of neutrality this person is extremely opposed to this move by our government because neutrality means neutrality while Eric says as we are something similar to what Kay said a while ago about being part of the EU Eric feels now because we are a, a strong EU member, maybe the strongest we have ever been within the European Union, uh, he feels we have no neutrality and we are a target as much as anyone else in Europe. Ireland's neutrality sadly is gone. It slowly diminished the day we joined the EEC as it was in 1973, now the EU. But because Ireland plays such a huge role now within Europe, I'm 
phrase with those who think we are neutral need to relook again. Ireland now is one of the biggest players in the EU and we are leading the way when it comes to change within Europe. Eric on text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. You can call us on 0818 103 103. And do you agree John Fields are neutrality now up for question because of those troops being sent to Ukraine while others feel at this stage uh, we need to move on because our neutrality more or less gone due to our membership of the EU and then it was Marie I think onto us it was indeed Marie onto us earlier in the show and she was really looking at the commentary over the last number of days ahead of that cost of living announcement yesterday she felt a lot of the charities were out and they were looking for changes and increases in social welfare but she felt uh, those people who work and have to pay a mortgage and pay for this or that and everything uh, there's no voice for them in society today and she was asking for more of that to be included well Dennis is in Cassad Magner and he agrees he says the squeezed middle are getting no help and are expected to pay for everything he heard so many social houses were rejected last year because people were too fussy and yeah Dennis that was a report I think it came out from Freedom of Information uh, from various councils across the country and it did show that people were offered a home but they rejected that home and that was a social housing um, offer they would have received because of one reason or another they were not happy with the home itself or the location of the house Uh, but Dennis makes the point that he has a son and his son drives 50 miles to work and is paying his mortgage so Dennis says Uh, when uh, along with his son he himself they try to save their money but he feels there are fast food restaurants crowded these days with young and old spending their money Dennis feels we have it too soft in this country would you agree with Dennis on that and and Deirdre also on that topic says that she feels there's too much social welfare in this country no wonder we are to bring in foreign workers because our own Irish will not work many up to just go on social welfare and remain on it and then end up getting entitlements such as social housing yes while there's a wait they still end up social housing uh, feels Deirdre so yeah are we uh, is the country going in that direction according to those and it was Marie who kicked this off she felt there was too many voices for those looking for increases in uh, the social welfare rates but for the workers who go out every day uh, not enough spoken about those workers those people who are not entitled to a grant they don't get anything for uh, going to work they still have to pay their own diesel and petrol to go to work and get paid a salary and while they are on a good salary Marie was making the point many cannot afford to purchase a home and also Dennis and Deirdre's input there uh, your views are welcome you can 0818 103 103 on your phone or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 medication we spoke about earlier on the show and this was regarding the lack of medication available to some some people finding it hard to get uh, medicines they usually always do and this is due to shortages right across the country and indeed uh, across the world but just staying on that in, in a different twist more or less something we spoke about yesterday on waiting lists uh, a person here on WhatsApp saying uh, I heard you mention about the medication and people not able to get medication well I have a son that's waiting on an appointment from CUH the wait is just shocking my son is getting further ill every week and I'm getting worried about my child's health I feel the HSE are not listening 
to us my son has got to a stage where he is under our consultants but we await for further consultation and an appointment for this and I presume after that it's uh, further treatments uh, and that you're not alone there it is something that is happening I mean yesterday we heard just for disability services 86,000 and I have more uh, comments here I think there was a 100,000 children on a waiting list for uh, well over a year uh, and your son could be one of those but staying on that uh, there's a, a, another uh, parent in touch with us who has a child that has been sick for very long periods of time, uh, has missed out on schooling due to this and is as well, similar to our, our last texter, uh, under a consultant in CUH, they have a medical card, uh, but they are still waiting for appointments and they are now worried, first of all, for his health, but also the fact that he is missing out big time in school, a big worry for those parents. And then uh, another person who uh, is this is Nula, who again is waiting for an appointment at CUH, but she was first seen back in January last year and was told that she would get a follow-up appointment and that would be in February last year. It's now February 2023 and nothing. And the just to feel that they are being ignored by the HSC and another parent here and this is Leanne who has a child who very similar to Nula waiting on an appointment last year and they also have a medical card for their child and again they feel they're not being heard by the HSC they've been in contact they were promised an appointment for last July they never got that appointment they were promised another appointment for December nothing came through and they remain uh, waiting for an appointment with a consultant they uh, thought they might get one in January. Nothing has come yet. They're still back and forth uh, with the HSC uh, and uh, Leanne feels people now need to stand up to the HSC services as we all pay our taxes for this service but we can't get treatment for our children. So when it comes to medication shortages we can also see there uh, from those in contact with us who are waiting just simply for an appointment with a consultant uh, in our city hospitals and that happening at the moment due to uh, the backlog in waiting lists which we have seen and Overall, as I mentioned, 100,000 for children uh, that are remaining on a waiting list for over a year. Uh, in, in general, for adults as well, uh, there's a huge waiting list. Uh, it's, it's going up to nearly 900,000 people when you account for everything and every, what everybody's waiting for. That's right across the country now. Uh, but it's just a huge amount of people who are waiting for various services uh, in and about uh, north and south of Ireland. Uh, your views are welcome on that. And maybe you are one of those on text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Or you can call Bernie on 0818103103. And we've been getting a lot of calls from people who are asking, is there some place where they can donate uh, clothes or items uh, for the victims of the earthquakes in Syria and Turkey? Helen is in Bandon and she has some new children's clothes, which she does want to give to those victims. Uh, She wants to know if there's anybody in the Bandon area or the general West Cork area who may be sending a truck uh, to either Syria or Turkey or that general area or, or no of someone going there with supplies and also Khan is in Bananhasik and he is asking is there somewhere you can drop off non-perishable food items for the earthquake appeal if anybody knows let us know um, we did check in with those who we spoke to uh, 
just after the earthquake in uh, Turkey and Syria and those that were collecting items now have finished. They're just taking donations or they're asking people to donate directly uh, to the earthquake by way of money. Uh, so if there is anybody physically taking items like non-perishable foods, like clothing uh, for children or clothing in general, let us know and we'll pass that on to those people and give it a mention for you. Uh, lines open. Your gardening questions are welcome on 0818 103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And a lot of people remembering various things regarding uh, Chalk Sunday. And I'll get to those shortly as well. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Shambali Moore Ladies Club. They are meeting on tonight at 8 o'clock in the Shambali Moore Community Centre. And the next meeting of Rathcormac Min Shed that will take place on this coming Thursday, that's tomorrow, in Rathcormac Community Hall at 11.30am. And Trevor Sexton and Ger O'Donnell, they will play in Gagan Community Hall this coming Friday. It starts at 8 o'clock. Tickets are priced at €20 Euros, and all proceeds go to Gagan Community Hall. This is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at C103.ie. And just going back to calls and comments on Chalk Sunday uh, that we had earlier, it kicked off with an email from Fidelma. And this, just to recap, is basically someone single on the first Sunday of Lent. And if you were, you were then uh, chalked, basically chalk was put on the back of you uh, with lines or squiggles or paint sometimes. And then Cathy was t- telling us about Salt Monday. And this was where if you were single on the Sunday after that, sun- uh, the, on the Monday even after that Sunday, uh, you were then sprinkled with salt. And salt was sprinkled on bachelors and spinsters at that time and the reason for that was to preserve them until Shrove Tide and Shrove Tide ran from January 6th until Ash Wednesday and a lot of people do remember this it seems to be different parts of uh, the county and indeed different parts of the city uh, hello to Jur, who is in Middleton he remembers this and his grandmother who lived off Barrack Street uh, they used to talk about that when he was growing up so he says it's really an older uh, tradition he feels going back to the 1930s or 1940s and Maria says yes I do remember my grandmother in Bananhasic speaking about this uh, many many years ago though it would have been the 40s so like Jerry yeah 40s or 50s is what uh, you were saying and a lot of people feel that it's a, a tradition that's obviously well gone now but back in the day a lot of this was for humour and fun and many would not be offended and that was something that Fidelma did mention uh, but it does seem to be in and around uh, suburbs of Cork City and uh, the likes of Ballonhasic, Middleton, South Cork those areas, Crosshaven, Myrtleville uh, we've got calls in from those who do remember Chalk Sunday, do you remember it? If you do, uh, let us know, text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and then uh, when we were uh, chatting earlier in the week regarding education it's something that has come up today uh, and it's regarding mixed schools and I'm not too sure how many of you would have gone to either a single sex school or a mixed sex school uh, I went to a primary school that was mixed and a secondary school that was single uh, and basically uh, the research that has come out with this shows that no academic advantage for teenagers attending either uh, schools uh, comes out of this research findings basically uh, they're coming from an analysis of data that's uh, from 
5,000 15-year-olds in Ireland. And they're examining association between if you attend a single-sex school and performing in maths, reading or science. And about one-third of second-level students that attended a single-sex school in Ireland uh, was seemingly one of the highest proportions in Europe that we have here. Uh, the topic of single-sex versus mixed-sex schooling has been the source of ongoing debate across education circles in many countries they're getting rid of the single-sex schools Uh, but when it looks at the academic performance uh, there is limited evidence surrounding uh, the relationship between attending a single-sex school and indeed uh, the performance so while we are seeing changes uh, in the UK have made a lot of changes to those type of schools uh, and across Europe as well uh, the, the analysis and the research when you look at how you perform in maths or reading or indeed science subjects or any subjects it doesn't seem to bear a difference if you did attend a mixed school or indeed a single sex school and the analysis also found that there are uh, raw gaps with pupils in a single sex school they can sometimes perform better than those in a mixed school. Now, not highly, but in some circumstances, maybe there's less distraction when it comes to secondary schools or mixed schools. I'm not too sure, but they can perform better in single-sex schools. Your viewers are welcome on that. If you went to maybe a a single-sex secondary school, did you find it was better than one of your friends that went to a mixed school? Or like that research, it's really small type of evidence that 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 shows that attending a different kind of school would let a person perform better. Uh, but overall, they are looking at these because they, as I said, in other countries, looking at re- reducing the amount of single sex schools across the country. Uh, your gardening questions are welcome. Peter Doddle joins us very shortly, answering all your gardening questions. Uh, Bernie taking those now on 0818 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and Con was on to us from Bananhasic earlier uh, looking for a place that would take non-perishable foods and donating them to the earthquake victims in Turkey and Syria and I can tell you, Con, you don't have to go very far because the Cottrell Shop and Post Office in Ballinhasic, they are collecting food uh, for those victims. So you can pop in there and they will take that from you or give them a ring beforehand if you wish. If we get more, we'll bring those to you. Gardening questions are welcome. Peter joins us next. And on Saturday, Premier League Live is back here on C103.ie with Trevor Welch. And this Saturday from 2pm, which is powered by Talk Sports, they'll bring you live coverage of Leicester City taking on Arsenal at 3 it's Bournemouth taking on Man City at 5.30 and Crystal Palace will take on Liverpool at 7.45 the Premier League live online with Harvey Norman your home of the big screen listen Saturdays on the C103 app or go to c103.ie record today on C103 call Patricia with your comment 0818103103 and it's time to go gardening and as usual we are joined by Peter Duddle the Irish gardener at irishgardener.com um, uh, good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine. How are you today? I'm good. The the, the sun is half shining and I have the use of all my limbs, so what would be wrong with me? <laughs> exactly. No fear of you. And as you say, the sun is shining. It's starting to rain in some parts of Cork at the moment, but I'm glad the sun is shining where you are there. Uh, always shines in some parts of Cork, doesn't it, Peter? 
So it always shines wherever I am, yeah. John Paul. <laughs> right over your head. So it's, a matter, it's, a matter, it's a matter of your perception. <laughs> well, you see, when you're a celebrity gardener, Peter, that's what happens. The sun just follows you around the place. <laughs> that, that's the way it goes. Anyway, we have a lot of uh, questions in, so I'm going to get straight into them because I'll get through as many as we can between now and one. And uh, this first one here is from Jack in Killa. And Jack has a rose uh, for a year. It's planted outside his house, but no leaves are on it at the moment. Now, he did not prune the rose and he's wondering, uh, can he revive it now? or is it too late? Well, it depends how long the leaves haven't been on it. I'm just looking out at my own roses in my own garden and they're not really in leaf yet. It's just a bit too early in the year. So I I imagine maybe he's just um, getting a bit over anxious, overly eager to get back out into the garden. I'd say it's just a bit too early. But if they haven't been in leaf for a year or more, then there's there's something wrong. But I would, the the, the, the order of the day for us gardeners, I'm afraid, give it a bit more patience. Just, uh, I'd say, give it time. Okay, and Jim is in Bantry now. His lawn, he's noticed, has a lot of moss on it at the moment. Is this the right time to scarify the lawn? And if he does that, will he need then to reseed uh, the lawn afterwards? Jim inventory is making me feel bad about myself because my own lawn is quite mossy at the moment as well. But uh, so, yeah, the answer to the question is now is the time really well, March is the time. So I suppose wait to this kind of cold spell that we're going to have over the next few days passes uh, and then scarify. And what scarifying is, JP, it's it's like a good mechanical rake, if you like it. It just pulls up the, the moss and the thatch from the soil level. Now, thatch is a kind of build up of decaying tissue, grass and weed roots and leaves and things like that. Uh, and when you leave the thatch build up, it, it leads to poor growing conditions for the grass, which is ideal conditions for moss to colonize. Uh, and like I'm always saying, the best way to prevent moss in a lawn is by good grass growth. So scarifying it as, as a, a matter of annual maintenance in this country, I would say, is a good idea. And March really is always the kind of go to month. But it, it just depends on the weather. I mean, if it was last week, it was certainly warm enough. Maybe a bit cold this few days, so maybe leave it off now till next week. We're into March then anyway, so I would say yes, go for it. Okay, we'll stick with the lawn, Peter, because a text here is asking, uh, this person has some rushes in their lawn. Is there a spray for them or would it kill the grass if they want to get rid of the rushes? The, I'm not going to recommend a weed killer spray anyway because I think surely we, we've gone past I'm afraid chemical weed killers in our gardens uh, it's too late no I think uh, I think we should all know that at this stage we can't be using chemical weed killers in our garden they're too dangerous they're too damaging um, however even on saying all that if you were to use a chemical there's no chemical that will, will just kill, kill rushes and not the grass so really I'm afraid it's, it's a question of getting out there and just digging them out by hand I know that's a bit of work but uh, cancel the gym membership and out you go the best aerobic workout you'll get is a few hours in the garden but it's also uh, indicative JP of you know the, the underlying effect that's leading to the rushes growing which is poor drainage and maybe compacted soil beneath so do you know what it might it might help to kind of try and improve the drainage even the surface drainage there by some uh, what we call hollow tiny aerating which is where you pull out you can get a machine or you can get tools to do it but um it's where you pull out little plugs of soil uh, and then you brush some grit or, or sand into them, which just improves the surface drainage and might help prevent the rushes coming back in the future. But I'm afraid in the meantime, it's a get out with the spade. I'm sorry. Okay, a eucalyptus tree this person has on WhatsApp. It's about 20 foot tall. They want to know if they cut it, will it shoot again lower down? Yes, it's a short answer. So, And if that's what they want, then brilliant. But... Um, Eucalyptus are a tree that are, they're a really beautiful tree, native to Australia, as we all know, but they're very, very fast growing. They can reach as high as 200 feet, believe it or not, in 20 years. So they're very fast growing and they are shallow rooted, so they're prone to blowing over. So the reason I mention all that, JP, is 
unless you've got a very large garden and really I'm talking about, you know, a couple of acres out in the countryside, they're not suited uh, unless you have a garden that size. If you have a smaller garden, like in a housing estate, you're going to have to do what, what this person is talking about doing, which is cutting it back. But it's not just now and again in 20 years time, you're going to be cutting it back every year to keep it more shrub-like, if you like, than as a tree. But the answer, the short answer to the question, will it regenerate lower down once you've cut it? Yes, it will. Now, Jim in Formoy has been in touch, Peter. He has a, a number of questions. So his first one, first of all, is when is the right time to start feeding rose bushes? Pretty much, pretty soon now as well, actually. So rose bushes are a plant that will respond well to feeding. I always refer to them as hungry plants. In other words, the more you feed them, um, the better they're going to perform for you. Uh, and really, it's as the growth starts, and we just talked a minute ago about the fact that they're not coming into leaf yet. So it's really as the growth starts, which is any time over this next couple of weeks, that's when you would start feeding them. And then Jim also wants to know, what would you recommend for the size of a pot that he could use for tomato plants? For tomato plants, you'd want to go, I would say you'd want to go a kind of seven and a half litre pot or, or bigger. So that's, let me think now, seven and a half litre is 21 centimetres, I think, from memory. So about 21 centimetres in diameter is what you would want for per plant. And then sticking with tomatoes, the gym finally wants to know how many cherry tomato plants would you put in a 14 inch basket? Oh, Jim's getting value now, all right, isn't he? Um, one, two three, four, I'd say four roughly, depending of course on the size of the plant, but I'd say roughly about four plants. 14 inch baskets are quite large, so you'd certainly get three and maybe even four. Okay, Jim's making you work there for your <laughs> fair money. <laughs> yes, <isn't> he? <laughs> he is indeed. Hopefully that answers your questions, Jim. Marie is in Dunamore. She has some gooseberry bushes that she grew from cuttings. Now, should they be fed or what is the best stuff to feed them with for her gooseberry bushes? Well, yeah, you could feed them at this time of the year again, like over the next couple of weeks as the growth starts. But just be very careful what you feed them with, that it's organic, because obviously the hope being that these cuttings will will grow into fruiting gooseberry bushes. And I've no doubt they will. Uh, So if we're going to be eating it, we want to be sure that what's gone on to it is organic. So any kind of the the best thing of all, of course, is to improve the soil and and let the, the, the magic in the soil to, to generate it like so you're looking helping the earthworms and the soil microbes so even your so the way you do that is by adding more and more organic matter and this can be your own compost it can be you know from the local authority if there's organic green waste uh, any of these things will improve the soil and that's feed in itself if you just want to apply something to it to give it a feed get a good organic uh, liquid feed something something seaweed based I would say like the nature safe liquid seaweed would be a very good one to use and then James is a mallow. James is doing his bit for biodiversity. He has a bee garden in his uh, overgrown part of his garden with grass. Now, it, it is actually overgrown with grass, though, he says. And he wants to know, is it a good time to cut it down low? And he also wants to reseed this with a mixture of flower seeds. So would it be too early to reseed it? And can he cut it down low with the grass that is? You kind of two questions there. So the first one is: if, Is it a good time to cut it down? Yes, it is. Coming into March again. Yes, I'd say it is. Um, just be careful if you are strimming it or anything. Just and if it's a you know a decent sized area that's been left to go wild, just be careful of maybe overwintering insects or animals that may lie beneath. You know, you could have hedgehogs overwintering in or hibernating in in those kind of areas. So be careful. Uh, but apart from that, if 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 it's if it's wildlife free, let's say I would say yes. Um, however. The second part of the question that he wants to kind of see, put some flower seed in there. Uh, in that case, you really need to to remove most of the existing vegetation uh, so that the flower seed, the wildflower seed gets in contact with, with bare soil, if you know what I mean. So 
like they might be mutually exclusive the, the two answers so if, if you want to just leave it as it is and let it go wild and there's nothing wrong with that um well, well, then just trim it back. But if you want to kind of put in more flower seeds, you may have to remove a lot of that grass first. Or what you could do is remove patches of the grass and put in good wildflower seed in those patches um, so that you're not taking out the whole area. And one essential wildflower seed, I would say, to sow there is yellow rattle because that will weaken the grass that's in there. Okay, best of luck with that, James. And Mary is in Blackpool. Now, she has a miniature camellia, which she bought last year. Now, it is in a pot indoors. Can she plant this outdoors? And if she does, can can it be planted during the summer or would this kill it? Oh, absolutely. No, you can absolutely plant it out. Uh, Camellia, like it shouldn't be indoors at all, actually. They're totally frost hardy outside during the winter. So, but just be careful now if it has been indoors for the last few months and even where it was bought may have been indoors. So you can't just move it from a lovely centrally heated house into maybe zero or plus one overnight. The shock would be too much. Um, and this is this is you have to be very careful here, not just going off on a bit of a tangent, but w- with other plants as well. If you're buying them in a supermarket or something, now for, first of all, I'd always recommend you get them from a, a garden centre because number one, you're supporting the horticulture industry, but number two, you're going to get advice on them as well. But if you're buying them indoors in a supermarket or something like this, bear in mind they may have never been outside. And if you move something from, as I say, a nice centrally heated home or store into the outside don't be surprised if it just dies in you so you're going to have to take your time with that camellia for moving it out move it out I would say for five or six hours each day over a period of a couple of weeks letting it out for a bit longer each day until it gets acclimatised and then plant it out if it's in a pot it really doesn't matter if you do it now or during the summer because there'll be little or no root disturbance just do keep it well watered Okay, uh, best of luck to you, Mary, there in Blackpool. And Hal is in Glantan. Now, Hal wants to try growing potatoes this year, but he wants to know, can he just let some ordinary potatoes sprout and plant them, or does he have to buy seed potatoes? I'd recommend buying seed potatoes. And the reason, I mean, the answer to the question is, yes, your your potatoes that you have at home uh, may well, will grow into to plants and you, you'll be able to harvest from them. But with the seed potatoes, you're getting specially... Uh, what am I trying to say, especially grown potatoes for seed. But the important thing is that they're they're certified disease-free, which is very, very important in terms of things like you, you blight and other diseases. So I would I would always encourage somebody to get certified seed potatoes. But the answer to your question, you could give it a go from some from your package, yeah. And then Helena wants to know, is it okay to cut the top of trees that they are gone very tall and lanky, asks Helena. It's a kind of a, a bit, probably a bit too general of a question, JP, because it does depend on the tree. I mean, the, 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 in essence, the answer is yes, and now is a fine time to do it for most trees, but not all trees, because it does depend on the variety. And also, if they're evergreen trees like conifers, and you cut all the green off, well, then you could end up killing the tree. So, it, it, if it's a deciduous tree, the majority of them, I would say, yes, you can do that, and you could do it this time of the year. But again, there's more to it than that as well. It's If you just take, let's say, a straight line cut to the top, the tree is going to lose its shape and it's going to look terrible. And also it's it, it may become less resistant to wind and things like that, or more resistant to wind uh, and be at risk of falling. So when you're cutting trees, it is a professional job or a skilled job and you're, it, it might be as well off to get uh, professional advice. OK, and a recommendation here for Bill in Mitchellstown who wants to grow a climbing rose on an arch, one that will grow all year round. It can be red, pink or yellow. So, Peter, what would you recommend for Bill? 
they'd all grow all year round, but they, none of them will flower all year round if that's what he's looking for. So, so no climbing roses, like all plants, will have a flowering season, which is is during the summer months. So some will flower for longer than others, of course. But so I, I'll throw a few at him. One old fashioned pink one, and it's a really beautiful one. It's called Albertine. It's a lovely old climbing rose. But then if you wanted an evergreen one, which may be what he wants when he says all year round, uh, there's one, it's a mouthful of a name now, JP, I'm afraid, but it's called Rosa Banksia. And then you can get it in white or in yellow. And that's a lovely one because it's evergreen. And what's also good about that one is uh, it'll grow in very low light conditions. So if it's a shaded part of the garden, that Rosa Banksia might be a good one to go for. Okay, Bill, hopefully that helps you out there. And Janet has been looking for yellow rattle everywhere. Uh, no luck for her. Uh, do you know, Peter, where she can get that? Well, in a blatant plug for myself, you'll get it on the <laughs> irishgardener.com. No problem yet. We have it. And she can go on the website and order it from yourself. She can, of course. Yeah. Excellent. Now, we don't have a whole pile of it left, so I would get ordering uh, because it's the kind of thing it doesn't keep from year to year. It's fresh Irish seed, hand harvested, so we won't get more yellow rattle till the autumn again. But we do still have I, we do still have some packets left. And a question here to do with summer plants. Now, they don't mention any particular plants, but they're asking you, is it too early to plant those summer plants in pots? Yes, definitely. It's too early to plant out your summer bedding. It's not even available yet. But you, So it's time for spring bedding. And in fact, I'll be doing a piece on this with Dahi on the Today programme this Friday. So you'll see what I'm talking about, which plants to use now and which ones you can't use now. So you can use your spring bedding now, but summer bedding is too early. Uh, but you could start sowing seeds if you want to save yourself a few bob. Start sowing seeds of summer bedding plants now. That'll be ready for planting then come May. And we spoke earlier about moss in the garden. Anna wants to know, and I know you're a big fan of biodiversity, Peter. She wants to know when we speak about loss, a moss even on our lawns, does moss have any benefit to the lawn or to biodiversity? Anna herself, she says she loves moss and maybe going forward, we should learn to love our enemies like our lovely so-called weeds, uh, says Anna. Uh- I completely agree with Anna and I wouldn't call moss our enemy and we we should maybe recalibrate I have no problem with moss on the lawn I think so long as it looks green and it looks lovely Um, the answer the short answer to the question in terms of its benefits I have absolutely no doubt that it does and there are insects and it's all part of the tapestry there are things that will will rely on it off the top of my head I can't say what they are but I have absolutely no doubt that, that it is helpful environmentally and it leads to a bigger conversation it's a conversation I was having with somebody this morning then JP you know, and I'm making the point that we have to recalibrate what we see as beautiful. Like for, for many years, the chemical companies, for example, have been, you know, brainwashing us into thinking that we need to pour weed killers out on dandelions. But for dandelions, of course, are one of the most important flowers over the next few weeks for bees. And, you know, we really do need a rethink on, on what we think is beautiful in the garden and what isn't. Yeah, and you can see that in many gardens, Peter. People are now leaving dandelions, leaving some weeds grow because, uh, well, for anybody who really isn't big into the garden, they, some would say they might know the difference between a weed and a flower. Uh, but still, when, when you look at gardens that are maybe overgrown, you have the bees coming in, you have a sense of biodiversity in that garden. So that kind of type of gardening is getting more popular. Well, it has to. I mean, we, we, you know, you say I'm a fan of biodiversity. We all have to be fans of biodiversity <laughs> because, you know, if we don't have a diversity of species, we, we so, fairly soon our species won't exist, you know. So mm. we have to pay attention to what we're doing. And, and you say there the difference between a weed and a flower. Well, is there a difference between a weed and a flower? Because it may surprise you to know that the definition for a weed is very vague. It's, it's a, a plant growing somewhere where you don't want it.
So I'll yeah. leave you on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good way of putting it, Peter. Uh, thank you for that, and we'll chat to you next week. Uh, there is Peter Doddle, the IrishGardener.com, and you can also find him under the Irish Gardener or on Facebook or indeed on Instagram. Just a few calls to catch up on and text and WhatsApps coming in to us. We mentioned there that research done between single sex schools and indeed mixed schools uh, across the country. It was carried out among 15 year olds. 5,000 15 year olds were interviewed for this research, and a Killarney listener says that they spent so of their secondary education in an all-male boarding school in Tipperary and then they went to a public mixed school. The difference in my educational achievements was phenomenal. It was huge. Second to none says that Clarny listener and then another listener was in touch. This is Anne-Marie who says Regarding that research, she feels that first it's very limited and only focusing on academic achievements when any school's educational impact should be far wider than that. Secondly, Anne-Marie went to a mixed school, but she was bullish due to the unpleasant dynamic that can be established in the pressure cooker of a mixed environment. My children went to a mixed primary and single-sex secondary. Best decision ever. For secondary, they mix with others, girls and boys, outside of school, but they can choose those people rather than being stuck with any individuals behind school walls for hours every day. And thank you, Anne-Marie, for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced I'm John Paul McNamara. Chat tomorrow morning. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.